This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. And welcome to the Vedic Wisdom. I want to talk to you today about animals, animals having a soul. There are different beliefs in different religious perspectives that animals have no souls. And I'd kind of like to uh, clarify that issue from the point of view of the Vedic knowledge so that you understand how it's stated there. And uh, talk on, on really on a logical platform and see if we can't get that point clarified so there's no misinformation here or there. So what we're talking about is the soul giving animation to the body. It isn't that the body is an animated thing naturally and then it has a soul. The soul is the driving spiritual force of all bodies. Now, if we look at the matter that may be in front of you right now, some of you may be your steering wheel, some of it may be the table or whatever, wherever you may be, and you note that the matter that's around you does not change. Now, I don't mean it doesn't deteriorate, but it doesn't grow. It doesn't mutate. Now, the matter that has a living entity in it does. Because the energies from the living entity are transferred to the bodily structure and it's animated. Now, any material creation, whether we talk about this total manifestation, the universe and all the many planets, or whether we talk about this microphone, they are uh, created and have an instruction manual with them and they have no animate capacity. There are many, many species of life, birds, aquatics, fish, plants, beasts, man, demigod, many different species of life. And in each category, there's many. There's many species of humans. There's many species of cattle. There's many species of dogs. Plants, many, many species of plants. A shocking number of species of insects and birds and fish. But they have animation. And that animation is due to the soul, the presence of the eternal conscious living entity. Now, the Vedic literature describes that the eternal living entities are created by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and the Lord impregnates the living entities into the womb of nature, and nature creates the varieties of species. And the natural species come out, and they are animated by the energy from the living entities, the spiritual sparks. I mean, you look at the difference between the live person and a dead person. We know it's a fact. We've discussed on our program before. You can go swimming and someone drowns in the water. They pour the water out, but the life doesn't come back. Why not? The body isn't really broken. It was flooded. And when it's not flooded, why doesn't it come back? Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Why not? It's whether or not the living entity, the spirit, has left the body. So we can see this animated state of consciousness, presence in the body, gives 
the body what we call life. And when the spirit soul is out of the body, that life ceases to be. The body is useless. It deteriorates. It decomposes. It's disposed of, burned, buried, thrown away. It has no merit, no value. So the body is uh, discarded. But if uh, the living entity is in it, and you go to try to discard a body, you're pushing somebody around. They go, hey, take your hand off me. So this is the fact that the presence of the soul within the body gives it animation and it gives the living entity a presence. The living entity is able to interact into the material manifestation relative to the quality of body he has. Well, we see that is true in people and we can easily see that that's true in, well, all the other species. And animals are not excluded a same thing. You can go swimming and a dog can drown. He can be flooded with water and he loses life and unable to be brought back. So this is exactly parallel, regardless of the species. Actually, it's in the structural relationship of the material nature as the mother of the living entity's lifetimes and the spiritual spark coming from the Father, the Supreme Lord. So the Father gives the living entities the opportunity by entering into the material nature, and material nature provides the bodies, and they can animate those bodies, and they will go through the normal transitional stages. Starts out as an infant, it grows for a period, develops more and more, becomes fully upright, able to do things, learning, uh, producing, working, byproducts, development, offspring, and then it gradually starts to diminish, dwindle to the point it's more or less useless, and it collapses, and the living entity moves on to another body. So two factors here are karma and reincarnation. And these are true for any species of life. It's relative to the combination of spirit and matter. So, <clears throat> all of the species have this in common. So we see that this material manifestation is actually a place where the living entity can come and get a variety of bodies that facilitate a wider variety of desires. And the living entities become capable of fulfilling those desires by the opportunity of living in a manifest 3D reality life in the material world. The issue is, it's temporary. These bodies are not permanent. They're made to be temporary. And the other issue here is, with the, the development of the body, there are problems. This material nature is not eternal. It has issues of a host of varieties. It has faults in it. It's not a permanent, perfect place. Okay, so... You take a material body, you will be subject to the pains of growing, uh, of illness, of old age, and death. Every living entity who gets a body goes through these. So this place is a place where you can fulfill your desires, but you enjoy or suffer the results, and you're subjected to the environmental conditions of the place. And this material world being temporary, it has what's called the threefold miseries. 
and it has these four concomitant factors. If you take birth, de- get, death is attached. You will suffer from disease and discomfort, and you will wither, and it will get old and die. So these are what's known as the factors that cause the struggle for existence. And while here, every living entity, no one is exempt. We see it over and over. The very wealthy people still need operations, still (laughs) break something now and again. No one is exempt. Uh, we talk about the idea of you touch fire, you're burned. Whether you're a child and have no knowledge or you're a well-educated person. Well, similarly, if you're a bird and you fly into fire, poof, you're toast. Insects, we see that happen. They fly right into fire. The glare attracts them. The light and the energy attracts them. And poof. If there's a fire, the dog and the cat in the house are just as in danger as the people. Their bodies are such. So the idea that a, a species of life other than humans has no soul, has no substance, there's no scientific fact or perspective to give credence to that idea. And the Vedic literature says, no, all the species of life, the grass, the plants, they all have spiritual beings in them or they wouldn't grow. So plants, birds, beasts, reptiles, fish, animals, man, demigod, all of these different species are energized by one type of living entities, eternal spiritual part and parcels of the Lord who are conscious just like you and I are. But they're restricted in their activities and their expression by the type of body they accepted. Now they get the bodies awarded to them by nature, by higher authority. And that body is awarded to them for two reasons. The type of desires they wish to fulfill and the karmetic reaction they have from the other types of activities they have performed. So this is a combination. It's a great science to just understand these few factors opens a complete new perspective on what we call life and reality. Recognizing that you are responsible for the deeds you perform. Whether the somebody, the teacher catches you, or whether the cop pulls you over, <laughs> or whether the neighbor goes off his nut, it, none of it changes the fact you are responsible. So, <clears throat> recognizing that we are responsible for the deeds that we perform, and recognizing that one lifetime full of activities causes another lifetime's worth of reactions, and recognizing that all living entities have a large quantity of desires. You can see it. You go to the the shopping center and you had no intention of buying anything. But once you got there, you saw something and you changed your mind because a desire arose within you to have that for some purpose you had in mind. And so you do purchase something. You spend the money you've earned by labor and you take an object that you now feel you need. You now feel is worth purchasing. You want this. The desire has grown in you right then and there. And you take this object home and you do what you plan to do with it and it does its service for you or it makes you enjoy something as it will. And then it sits. 
because the object was really intended for the fulfillment of that desire. Now you'll rationalize in your mind, oh, I'll use it all the time. I'll, I'm sure I'll take it with me when I go here or there. Oh, I can go see a lot of uses for it. But generally, that doesn't happen. Because it was actually a short-term desire that impelled you to make that purchase and you got that object. So we can see that through the period of a lifetime, a lot of these momentary desires well up and we act on them and we end up uh, involved in a variety of activities and those activities cause reactions and we end up uh, receiving those reactions at a later date. Some of them come quite quickly, some of them take a long time, some of them don't come back to your next life or even many lives thereafter. And as we've discussed before, the Lord is the witness in the heart in his super soul manifestation and he is witnessing all of your acts and everything is noted by his unbelievable consciousness. And he knows everything, past, present, and future. And so all of your activities are remembered. And higher authorities are then employed to deliver to you the results of what you actually did. If you did something good, you get an equal and opposite reaction. Something good comes. If you did something bad, something foolish, something that hurt others or was a difficulty or created an unnecessary problem, you get that happening to you. It comes back on you and you have unnecessary problems and you have pain or anxiety in an equal and opposite measure. So this is the situation that we need to have clear in our minds. Because if you have this clear in your mind and you understand you are responsible and you understand your actions cause reactions and you understand it can actually cause another birth in the cycle of birth and death, when you go shopping, you will stop and think about, do I really need that? Will I really use it? Or is this a momentary desire that I'm trying to fulfill? And this changes your involvement, your implication in the cycle of birth and death. And it also can change the direction your life is going. You don't do something bad, you refrain. You don't lie, you don't cheat, you don't deceive someone. You refrain from that because you know, I don't want those types of reactions on me. And similarly, you'll take an opportunity to do good and to assist others because you go, yes, that's the kind of thing that will elevate me, that will give me better facilities or intelligence or opportunity. So let me do that type of activity. So this Knowledge. This is literally knowledge of your predicament. This does empower you. This does give you the opportunity where you're able to understand what is your best interest and what is not. And you are conscious of the fact you're making choices all the time that will affect the results and the future of your life. We live in a society that's, well, it's controlled by television and electronic devices now. And the people are very much aloof from any connection to reality. 
They are absorbed in a narrative conception and living as an expression of what they believe they're supposed to be doing. This is the concept of being PC, taken to the extreme. This is the idea of fitting in, of being one of the many. This is the concept of uh, no tall poppies. And it makes it that everyone is actually supporting an illusory perspective of life and not taking responsibility for their actions. This is one of the root problems of the human civilization. It's being run by ignorant people. And it's making the general populace ignorant to what is their best interest. This is why this Hare Krishna movement is here. It is to help you understand what should you do and what should you not do. When are you on the path and when aren't you on the path? So we have to use our human form of life to understand we are a living entity in a body and we have responsibility for the actions we perform. And we can look at all the other species of life and recognize those are living entities who are in different types of bodies, lower species, animals, that aren't able to make these conscious discussions. They are in a lower level of experience because they have earned it by their desires and karmatic reaction to those desires. So it isn't that they have no soul. It's that they have a different result for the efforts they've made. There are people in the higher planetary systems in our universe right here that have much better facilities than we do here in the human form. And that's because they properly used their independence and they properly used the facilities and they used their time and did good and refrained from doing things wrong and unjust. But there are others that fall into the lower species of life because they simply tried to be irresponsible. They simply tried to do what every, anything I see fit, anything I want to do, you can't tell me. And that mentality, that attitude, contamines the consciousness of the person and it um, slants their judgment and it pulls down the value of their karmatic reactions that they don't maintain the human form of life. And they slide into the animal kingdom in many other different species according to the severity of their misappropriation of their free will. So it's important in the human form of life at least to come to the platform that it's neutral, that you're not degrading anything and you're not even necessarily advancing. You will most likely get a chance of another human life again. But better than that is to elevate one's consciousness to where he improves his understanding and his situation such that he becomes a higher quality being. And then the ultimate use of the human form of life is to know that we are eternal servants of God and that if I raise myself to being a selfless servant and engage in the service of the Lord under the Lord's plan, I can be relieved of this cycle of birth and death and be relieved of this imperfect temporary material manifestation and return to the spiritual world where everything is perfect by construction and definition. But there's very little knowledge of the spiritual world here. It is specifically given in the Vedic literature. There isn't any other scripture, any other religious writings or teachings on the planet 
that have a 50th of the information about the spiritual world that is contained in the Vedic literature. Everything under the sun, every aspect of it, its duration, its placement, its time, its characteristics, its influences, um, inhabitants, variegatedness and varieties, activities, everything is described in the Vedic literature. Unmatched in clarity and wisdom and knowledge is provided in the Vedic literature. So this human form of life is a great opportunity if you read Bhagavad Gita as it is and Srimad Bhagavatam. You become fully aware of what it's like in the spiritual world. And you also become familiar with this different levels of material existence that we've been discussing today. And why the animals are just the same as you and I, they're eternal spirit souls. And why they're in one status of life, you and I are in another status of life. There are beings above us in a higher status yet. And there is a large number of beings who are in the spiritual world outside of this temporary nature. That eternal kingdom is our own home. That is our true home. And these temporary material bodies can't even go there. They don't even work there. They're not useful there. Because there everyone has an eternal spiritual body. And eternal spiritual bodies have no pain, have no confusion, full of knowledge, full of bliss, full of understanding, and a selfless devotional attitude to do good, to care, to give, and render service to the Supreme Lord and assist his other servants who become intimate friends. So this is our real home. This is where our natural tendencies and characteristics uh, express themselves fully. Here in the material world, everything is limiting us. But in the spiritual world, those limits are absence. Suffering is absent. Illusion, fear, it's absent. It's not there. Those are material characteristics. So without this education, there's not a lot of uh, willingness or determination to return home to the spiritual world. So the Vedic literature is here to give you this wisdom. We said many times on our program, you start out by understanding this primary information that you are not this material body. And similarly, you understand that all the species of life are equivalent living entities to yourself, struggling with different grades of material bodies. And that actually our nature is we are servants, and we are eternal, and we desire happiness, and we desire knowledge. And that those characteristics are actually found in the spiritual world. And the material world is simply a learning ground where you experience desires. So you have to be careful about what is you're going around desiring. You can stay at the shopping center or the mall endlessly. I want this. Now I want that. And I want one of those. Oh, give me more money. Now I need this. Okay, now I want that. I want to go here. I want to eat one of those. And on 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 and waste your life and have nothing of significance to show for it but a garage full of stuff. Or you can use this human form of life to go, I don't really want to go around fulfilling unnecessary desires and costing myself another lifetime's worth of karmetic reaction I have to accept. 
It is not up to you to determine your next life. You do, in a sense, by the decisions you make and the acts you perform, because you will get the results. But you don't, at the time of death, get to make a overall conclusion and evaluation of what the whole duration of your life uh, earned and what reaction is warranted. That is done by higher authority. And those higher authorities deliver um, cold, hard facts, blind justice. They're not concerned. They're not prejudiced. They're simply delivering to you the results as you performed the acts. So this gives you a, a, an understanding that your lifetime is a matter of collection of moments in the now. And every moment in the now, you should be aware where are you putting your conscious consciousness and what are you focusing on and what are you doing because you will be earning a result, a reaction. And you want that reaction to be as good as you possibly can. If you become really intelligent, you learn how to act in such a way you do not incur another body. You do not incur any karma by your acts. You're literally liberated from the karmatic cycle. This is transcendental knowledge. This is what this movement is about. Information is given to you. Method is given to you uh, such that you can learn how to act in devotional service and employ the potency of the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra so that you can actually liberate yourself by acting consciously in the now, in the moment, and free yourself from this entanglement of a material body where you're forced to take reactionary lives. So this Krishna Consciousness Movement, this Vedic knowledge is vitally important to those in the human form of life who can sense and who are interested in achieving the higher levels of consciousness that are available to you if you simply learn how to use your free will correctly and understand your constitutional position as eternal servant of the Lord. That is what the Vedic literature is. The Bhagavad Gita as it is, by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, our spiritual master for this age, his books are complete and pure with presentation for your benefit. Read the Bhagavad Gita as it is, humbly, from front to back, and in, understand as much as you can. Associate with the spiritual master's disciples to get anything you uh, query, clear it up and organize so that you have a clear understanding and take a new look at your life. Take a new look at your responsibility and lift yourself out of your material predicament and return home back to Godhead in love of God, devotional service. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.